Hey, listen, we're, we're going to start a new conversation called rest. How many need more rest? Raise your hand. You're going to be out of luck here. Because I'm going to, we're going to talk for the next, um, I have a life philosophy that, that I believe is biblically based. Um, and, you, and when we get done today, you're going to be like, I don't think it is, but it is. Because it's not, it is antithetical to our culture, but it is Bible. And it's fitting that we had communion this morning because uh, we're going to talk about the real rest we all need. And I'll just say it up from the front. The rest you need is not from work. I knew that was not going to land well. The rest you need is not from work. And what, what our society is offering is, is simply rest from stress. And, uh, you know, I believe we were created for stress. Um, when God said, when God created Adam, I'm going to adjust this from what I said at a men's conference one time. But anyway, um, when God created Adam, the first thing he did was give him a job and then he put him in a marriage. I don't understand what about any of that equation doesn't equal stress. And so we've been working for the last thousands and thousands of years to try to get away from the, from the stress of work and marriage. And it's built into who we are supposed to be. Amen. So we're, we're running from the wrong things. We're running from the wrong things. And as long as we run from the wrong things, we'll be carrying things that we weren't meant to carry. So we're going to talk about real rest. How do you work a full day? How do you, how do you stay in relationships? How do you raise kids and still be at rest in your soul? Amen. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Hopefully you'll be back next week. Cause you're like, really, I don't need that. I don't need a peaceful soul. I need to quit my job. Matthew chapter 11. We'll start in verse 25. Why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Say amen. If you're ready. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, lean into this. Come all to me, who all who labor... And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. 
for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse nine, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will it not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said this to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out, stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we pray that over these next few weeks, Lord, that we'd be able to lean into you. And no matter our external circumstances, we would be a people at rest. God, that this peace you promise us, that Paul wrote about, that passes our ability to understand how we can be how we can be laboring and yet restful. Teach us that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you come next week, hopefully you will, or you tune on online, or um, however you get it, listen to podcasts afterwards. Um, you, you may think that I reversed the order a little bit because we're going to go backwards next week and talk about Jesus sending out the 12. But this week we're after he has sent out the 12. I just want to make that clarification because I think what we're dealing with uh, today is a preface for what we'll deal with next week. Jesus um, uh, sends out the 12 disciples. If you read in chapter nine of Matthew, It says the disciples were with him and he was going from town to town healing all those that were sick. So you get this picture of Jesus healing all those who were sick and the disciples were kind of watching like a, like a fan club, watching him do all this stuff. Then at the beginning of chapter 10, he he calls him to himself and he says, Hey, I'm going to send you out now with the authority to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, heal the, you know, and and you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. And, and next week we'll deal with, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So he sends them out. And then we get to where we are today, chapter 11 and into chapter 12, where Jesus prays this prayer after he sent the disciples out to, on their mission. He prays this prayer. And it's the first time, it's the first time recorded that Jesus is associating himself with God. He says, basically, I and the Father are one. Like the son is in the father and the father and the son. And if you've seen me, so it's the first time he makes this declaration and the, and the, the wild part is when he gets to my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It doesn't really seem like it fits. It seems like, it seems like it's a little weird the way it's lined up there because he says, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then verse 28, it's just like plopped in there. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that doesn't seem to make sense, except you start reading right after that, that they're walking through the grain fields. Let me ask you this. Anybody remember walking through a field when you were a kid and the grass, maybe you were in a hay field and the grass had went to seed? And you would walk through and you would grab it and you would what? You would just rip all the, rip all the seed off the top of it. Anybody remember doing that? Some of you are like, 
Okay, for all you city dwellers who didn't have a really great upbringing, we used to walk through the field and grab the grass and zip up off the seed off of it. You know, just like zoop, zip it off, and it would be in your hand, and then you throw it around. Amen? Yeah, all right, here we go. What I need you to understand is that was a, that the very next thing after Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he goes into... He, the narrative goes into Jesus and the disciples walking through a grain field and they're plucking the heads of grain. Do you know how minuscule amount of work that is? That's leisure. They're just plucking the heads off and they were eating them because they were hungry. And the Pharisees catch them and they say, how is it that you're working on the Sabbath? Like, Really? Like zipping off heads of grain as we're passing through this field is work? Well, are we going to outlaw walking? Because it's taking me more energy to walk than it is to pluck the grain off, off the, the grass. And you think, this doesn't even make sense. So Jesus comes back to him and says, hey, do you remember King David, the guy you guys hold up? Is the highest, the best king ever. You remember him? You remember? Now he's talking to Pharisees. You remember him? Remember when he walked in and he took the bread that nobody was supposed to eat but the priest and they did it because they were hungry and God didn't condemn him for it? You remember that story? Well, somebody greater than David is standing before you right now. And they're just like, whatever. They didn't get it. Then the next story he goes into, or the next narrative is that he's, there's a, there's a man with a withered hand in front of him and the disciple and the Pharisees ask him, Hey, it's the Sabbath. You're going to heal this guy. As if that's a question. Sorry. Are you, are you kidding me? If one of you had a sheep that fell in a pit on the Sabbath, you would run down there and grab him out. And yet you're challenging me about healing a man. And, um, I got to think. Jesus looked over disciples and just went, watch this. Stretch out your hand. Everybody get ready. If you thought picking grain was a big deal, watch this. Say, what does all that mean? The issue in Jesus' time is uh, everybody knows the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments, the thou shalt nots. The trouble is, at Jesus' time, there was a whole lot more than Ten Commandments. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law had expounded this because after, it was sort of like, the, it was sort of like tax law. Because every circumstance, you needed to come up with another law to figure out how to deal with it. So what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would do is they would, they would uh, something would happen that they couldn't, they couldn't relate the Ten Commandments to, so they'd make up another one. So it's about 613 of these deals. Could you imagine? And, and they've been kind of broken down like this. 365 of them were negative. So imagine that. Welcome to church. We're going to cover one more negative thing every day of this year. 365 negative laws, 248 positive laws. And they were continually developing them to deal with new circumstances. So as, as a God-fearing person, 
in that culture, you were expected to try to adhere to all of those laws. Now, my wife will tell you right up front, I'm a rule breaker. Like, I find joy in breaking rules. Not enough to get imprisoned, but enough to just make myself happy. And, uh, and it's just fun. Anybody else? Somebody say, that's the way you're supposed to do it. And I'm like, yeah. We're going to do it another way and show everybody that can be done another way. So um, it's, just, it's just my nature. And so when I think about somebody saying, you've got to obey all these rules, I'm like, I'm not doing this with you guys. I can't do it. I'm going to screw this whole thing up. So I'm going to go off and be a sinner by myself. 613 of these rules they're expected to carry around, expected to adhere to day by day by day. And, 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 and there was this image of the Pharisees and the teachers, teachers of the law. There was this image, look at your neighbor and say image, because it wasn't real. There was an image that they were perfect at it. That they were, that they were walking around uh, in their best, looking like they were obeying the law at all times. Which we all know was impossible. But they had a really good image to deal with it. So now, if we lump all that stuff together, we sort of start figuring out what the picture looks like. Jesus saying, all things have been given to me by the Father. I'm the Son. All things have been given to me by the Father. He's saying, I, am all, I have all wisdom here. I am, I am if, uh, enough. I am sufficient for all things. In me, all things exist. And then he says... Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And then Matthew goes into showing you how much burden was on the people. Now, are you following me? So now we're starting to make these connections. And what happens, what happens is today's world is not, not a lot different. Because Jesus was not calling people to... To be void of physical labor or stress. I'm going to go back to my opening statement. If we translate, come all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We've missed the basis of what Jesus was talking about. If we only apply it to our, our Monday through Friday work. Or we only apply it to marriage. Or we only apply it to the stress of raising kids. Or we only apply it to some physical labor we have to do. God is not trying to deliver you from physical labor. That's how you starve to death. Yeah, just practical. If he delivers you from physical labor, that means you must not need money anymore. And in my world, that means I'm dead. Amen? So be careful how you pray. Be careful how you pray, Lord, deliver me from all this stress. He's like, you, get, you got it. You asked for it. The only way you're getting out of all this stress is to not be here anymore. Because this life includes stress. Amen? Some of you have a lot of it. Some of you need a little more. But we all experience it. Jesus is not talking about the stress of labor here. He's not talking about the stress of relationships. He's not talking about the stress of anything. The narrative after he says this tells you what he's talking about. He's talking about sin. He's talking about carrying the weight around of following all the rules all the time to be perfect. So come all to me who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
And then he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And then it transitions right into you can't walk through a field and pluck grain off of it without being in trouble. And you can imagine walking around back then going, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I can't I have to wake up and I'm sinning just by waking up. I don't know how to do this. I can't get it right. I never seem to be able to get it right. And yet the expectation never changes. So if I walk through a field on the Sabbath, if I take a joyride on the Sabbath and happen to pull a piece of grass out, I've sinned before the Lord. Can you imagine being under that kind of thing? And yet 2,000 years later, some people are still under that type of thing. You're stra- trying to perform well enough to appease God. Well, if I just do this, do this, do this, if I'm a nice enough person, God will like me. If, I'm a, if, I, don't, if I don't do that anymore, God will like me. If I don't do this anymore, God will like me. If I, don't, if, I just, if I just do these things, God will like me. God will like me. God will like me. The church has to understand this. That he was not simply inviting people who were tired from their jobs. And the proof of this is just a, just a chapter before Jesus is sending the disciples out to do what? To labor. He's sending the 12 out, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, deliver people. And he said, guess what? When you do this, people will hate you for it. I don't, I don't. Um, I, I don't know if any of you ever set out for people to hate you, but that's a little more stress. We'll talk about this next week. Anybody, anybody ever start out the day going, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm just expecting everybody to hate me today. And I'm okay with that. It's not typically the way, our, the way we think, but Jesus is warning them up front. I'm going to send you out and you will have all the power you need, but Let me tell you something, this power doesn't come without persecution. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And I'm sending you into that. He did not right before this send the 12 out and go, man, you're going to be such restful people. Like I'm only expecting you to heal people on Thursday afternoons between one and two. The rest of it, do, do your thing, man. Take your cold plunge. We'll get into that in a second. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 7, give us a little insight. Later in the book of Matthew, Jesus said to the crowds and to to his disciples, listen to this. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. That means a seat of judgment. It wasn't necessarily their seat to be sitting on, but they put themselves there. So the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the people that had promoted themselves as the perfect example of what God would have people to obey the law and be perfect. It says... They sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. So now Jesus is is lifting back the veil and saying, hey, listen, they look perfect, but let me tell you something, they're not. They're no better than you are, except they're faking it. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens. Now is it starting to make sense? They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. He's saying all they would have to do is go, okay, we're not doing this anymore. Make it a law and they could could free up so many people. But all they do is they keep heaping burden upon burden upon people. Keep making laws. 
They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. He's talking about the way they dress up. And they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats at the synagogues. And greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. He's like, listen, these people that are heaping all this burden on top of you to follow the rules and to be try to be perfect. There's no part of them that's perfect. What Jesus was promising was a burden that had been put on the people by the Pharisees and teachers of the law. It was clear that they were, that the Pharisees were expecting the people to carry this burden of sin. No, you have to do it right or we won't accept you. You have to be perfect or you won't be accepted by God. Jesus is coming along saying, listen, I've been given the ability to take that burden from you. Come on, say amen. He's telling the disciples, he's saying, listen, he's praying. He's, he's praying publicly. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and He has given me all authority. He's given me everything I need. And I can lift your burden, and these bums over here just keep increasing it. He's promising rest for the people. But the way Jesus promised it was extremely unique. So he told them, come all who are weary and heavy laden. If you're sick of getting in trouble for picking grain on, on, on the Sabbath, come to me. If you're sick of never being able to meet the requirement, come to me. If you're sick of other people faking it to look like they're in the crowd, come to me. If you're sick of being burdened by sin that you can't break on your, on your own. If you're sick of just being in the, in the, just over and over doing the same stuff. I mean, you just can't break the addiction. If you can't, just can't break the burden. Come to me, he's saying. But the way he offered the help is totally different. He says, take my yoke. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Let's stop right there. Let's say it out loud. Say it like this. He will give me rest. Say it. He will give me rest. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't give it to me. Tell him. Tell him just in case. Now you can make that honeydew list shorter, but you can't actually give me rest. But I'm going to take both this Sunday. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take rest from Jesus and a shorter list. All right. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It was clear these people were carrying a burden of sin. The Pharisees were great in making rules but being unwilling to follow them or help anyone else. But the way Jesus promises was unique. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, listen. Sometimes we get in the New Testament and we start, we start thinking, well, the, the Ten Commandments, man, they were for the old people. But actually, they're for us. Amen? It's still a great idea not to kill people. Just... It's still a great idea not to have an affair. Less people said amen on that, but um, 
Maybe we need to do a small group on how to not have an affair and why it is sin. Um, maybe it's not good to covet other people's things. It's, it's good to obey your mother and father. I thought the parents would be a little more excited about that one. It's good not to have any other gods before him. Okay. All right. So all these are still good. All these are still the standard. Did you know that? All of those Ten Commandments are still the standard today. The, the difference is we live in an area of grace where, where God already knows that we can't keep the standard. So John three sixteen forgot to love the world that he gave his only son. So Jesus came. We just celebrated that through communion. And he died on the cross, rose again on the third day. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now we are recipients of his grace. So even though that's the standard, Jesus comes along and bears the burden. All right, but the way he bears the burden is totally different than the way the Pharisees would bear the burden. The Pharisees would look at you and say, step it up. You can't keep sinning. You have to fix it. And until you fix it, you can't be a part of this. Jesus comes along and says, hey, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will, I will help you bear the burden. It's your sin, but then he's the solution to it. So we don't get in a rhythm of just trying to do good. We get in a rhythm of repenting. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago where when we repent, we go, that's wrong. I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to confess that it was wrong. So I am turning, but it's him that's coming alongside me and going, hey, I'm going to help you bear that up. So. Contrary to popular opinion, if God was just trying to put you at perfect rest physically, the whole nine yards, he wouldn't have said, take my yoke. Because that's still weight bearing. Amen? That's still weight bearing. You can't forgive yourself of sin, but you can turn from it. Oh. So you bear a little bit of responsibility not to forgive yourself, but to go, that's wrong. I'm not going to do it anymore. Amen? So he says, hey, listen, what the Pharisees won't do is they won't help you with this. What God has given me the power to do is come and forgive you of this. And that's a totally different look. So here's what happens. John 15, chapter 15, verse 4. This is the vine and the branches speech that Jesus gave abide me and I and you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I'm the vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing so let's combine this with Matthew chapter 11 and Jesus saying come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he says in John chapter 15, hey, if you stay in me, you can do all things. But if you're detached from me, you can do nothing. So why is that? Because the yoke that Jesus gives us, anybody know what a yoke is? Anybody? Okay, let's let's just do a little yoke thing here. Um, Remember when you were a kid and you were walking through the field, plucking the grain? Some of you are old enough to remember this. Um, and you would look out in the field and the farmer would be out there and he'd have two oxen and they were yoked, <laughs> yoked together and there would be a guy behind them going, yah! Um, 
Okay, maybe nobody here remembers that, but yeah, not too far away. Um, well, the back the way in the old days, a yoke was this wooden thing created to, to fit an animal. And uh, sometimes you could have one, but when you join two together, you got more than double the results out of it. Amen? Okay, so you would take this, the, the carpenter would shape this yoke, and there's some scholarly argument to believe that Jesus was a yoke maker. Because they didn't have dining room tables like we do. Okay, that Jesus was a yoke maker. And so when he says, take my yoke upon you, So the carpenter would fashion this. You got two oxen. They're shaped differently. They carry the weight differently. The carpenter would fashion that. He would come to your place and fashion it out so it would fit on your animals. And it wouldn't wear sores. And it would be able to carry the most weight. And he would hook it up. And then they would hook the implement up or whatever it was, the plow or whatever. And they would drive the oxen. The oxen would pull the burden. And what was happening symbolically is that the Pharisees were really awful at making yokes. Because they didn't care if it fit you or not. They would just pile up weight on your shoulders and say, it's your job to carry the burden. It's your job to follow the law. It's your job to get it right. And when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, it wasn't just, I'm going to give you this implement that now you carry. It was John 15. If you are in me, the, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you're in me, now the picture comes where Jesus has made a yoke and he's yoked to you. More importantly, you're yoked to him. Because I don't know if you've tried to forgive yourself lately, but you can't. You could say, I forgive myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself. And you'll wake up the next morning with just as much weight of sin as you did the day before. There is no escape in and of yourself. And that's what the problem was. Jesus was saying, you Pharisees, you're sitting in the place of Moses, judging everybody and let you, and you don't lift a finger to help anyone. So the remedy of this is not putting more weight on the people, not putting more judgment on the people, but the son of God coming down himself and saying, if you yoke yourself to me, I can take the brunt of the burden. I can take the brunt of the weight. And so he fashions a yoke now and each one of us, he, he individually carves it out to fit my shoulders and your shoulders. But more importantly, it's yoked to him. And so now it's not just me carrying the weight. It's him carrying the weight of sin and me carrying the responsibility to turn from it. And now together I can be at rest. Oh, I thought that was way better than your response. Like I worked on that. Now together we can be at rest. Because, because Paul would write, later write to the Philippians that you can have peace that passes on our saying because he is the God of peace. So it's not that God is giving us something. He's yoking, we're yoking ourselves to him and now we are becoming like him. He is at peace. So how can I be hooked to something that's at peace and me not at peace, be at peace? It's not even make any sense. Some of you are like, that's what my marriage looks like. I'm talking heavenly stuff. <laughs> we're yoked together. We're yoked together. You were never designed to carry sin. From the foundations of the world all the way back to Genesis, the Proto-Evangelium. God says, as a result of this, 
I'm going to send my son. And he will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bruise his heel. And this is the way it's going to work. All the way back the first sin, God said, you weren't meant to carry it. Jesus will carry it. And Jesus comes on the scene. And instead of the rulers of that time going, finally, the burden is lifted. They go, get him out of here. We'd rather it be illegal to pick grain on the Sabbath than to accept him as a savior. And you know what we're doing as a culture today? The exact same thing. The band's going to come up. We'll close with this. I made a joke about ice plunge the other day. Uh, just, just, just so you know, I'm not doing that. I spend about two and a half weeks in Africa every, uh, every, every year, and I get enough ice plunges uh, in a shower in Africa in the morning um, because it's iffy whether we're going to have hot water or not. That's fine. You just wake up, and you go, Lord, uh, suffering for Jesus. Here we go. Um, but what I found out, if you stick your arm in a little bit and take it out, it takes me about 45 minutes to get a shower. You get like, your arm in a little bit. You got to acclimate that thing. You don't just jump in. But what I'm seeing in our culture is an unending stream of stuff that can make you at rest. Well, if I take this vitamin, if I do this thing, if I do this thing, if I implement this schedule, if I do the cold plunge in the morning and then the sauna at night, if I do the whole thing, if I just do it, if I keep it, I keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. If I take the pills, if I take the vitamins, if I do the whole thing, if I eat right, if I eat more kale than I do lettuce, and if I... Ah. And you know what I keep hearing? These are rules that Chris can't keep. I don't know how to keep them because I like Pop-Tarts every now and then. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with the whole thing. This feels like misery to me. I can't imagine waking up in the morning and go, I got to get in a bath of ice? Whose idea was this? I don't even know that dude on Instagram. And what we're doing is we're following a cultural phenomenon to try to bring us rest that it will not bring. All it brings is more burden about, am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Am I following the right thing? Oh, this is the next new thing out. How do I know? How do I know? Well, the person online looks like they're at rest. No, they're not. Unless they have been freed from the burden of sin, they are not at rest. And they may have a nice fit body that they could take their shirt off and get in a cold plunge and impress everybody. But other than that, you have no idea. And when the church starts to embrace, we were built for stress. We were built to work. We were built to have relationships. We were built to figure it out. We were built to go into the world and proclaim freedom and healing and Jesus. When we figure that out, we'll be less concerned with how physically tired we are and we'll be more concerned about if we're carrying a burden of sin that we shouldn't be carrying. I want you to work hard. I want you to go to bed at night tired. Why else would you go to sleep? I think it's a little redundant to lay in bed and go, I'm tired. That's why we're here. We worked all day. That's why we're here. We lay down. We're tired. I'm not wishing that away in my life. And a matter of fact, there's a lot of ways I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, give me more. Give me more. I want to get to the end of my life and go, hey, I retired well. 
I want to get to the end of my life and find out I, I laid it all out. I did all I could do all the way to the end. But I did it restfully. So I need to leave you with this. Jesus ends up telling the, telling the disciples, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, not the Sabbath. So you don't obey Sabbath law, you obey me. And so listen to me. We have to understand this, that Jesus is the one that brings us rest. And if you can rest this and this, you can work all of this harder. Amen. If you can rest this up here and this here, which only can come from him. He's the only one that can give you peace of mind. And he's the only one that can give you peace of heart. And if you can rest those things, your body can handle a massive amount of stress. But we got to get these two things right. We got to get these two things right. He's the only one that can give it. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So let's stand to our feet. Let's ask him for that this morning. Father, we thank you today, Lord. God, it's your rest we need. Lord, we've tried vacations every year and we're the same amount tired. We've tried going to different places and we're the same amount stressed out. We've tried working different jobs. We've tried all kinds of things. But our minds are still at war and our hearts are still unsettled. And so we ask you this morning that your yoke, would we be yoked to you, Lord? And that you would give us rest. That our minds and our hearts would finally be at peace with you. And Lord, that we could handle the rest of it in your strength. That you're the vine and we're the branches. And if we remain in you, we can do all that we need to do on this earth. We thank you for it. We thank you for the rest you're giving people today. And we accept it. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Can you say amen? Can you give him thanks this morning?